Hello, I'm Lee. I'm Troy. I'm Rachel. Welcome to Sciencing Fiction. Welcome. This week our topic is centaurs. I don't think any of us came up with a question. Ju- the, the question is just centaurs? Yeah. How they work. How, how do they, they do, do it. How, <laughs> how they do this. Troy, you want to introduce this one because it is a you? Okay, yeah, absolutely. So this question goes back, what, a year, two years at this point? I think a year, whenever our last D&D session was. It goes back to a Dungeons & Dragons campaign that we had over a year ago at this point, and I wanted to 3D print some miniatures of some of the more unique characters in our campaign, and one of those was a centaur. And we realized, or I guess I realized that I had never asked, and then we realized that nobody knew the answer, was, did this centaur character, for the sake of making the miniature, have breasts or not? And this led us down a whole rabbit hole. I didn't realize that that was where it started. Yeah, I was making the 3D printed uh, miniature of uh, Joy's character. Yeah, I think it was something about, like, the breastplate or something. And then we realized that centaurs, I mean, they're the top half of a human, the bottom half of a horse, but they have the chest of both the human and the horse. So where would a breastplate go when they technically have the horse breast and the human breast? And then also trying to figure out not just where they would need to protect, because I presume all of it has vital organs, but the thing that I remember being a big issue with trying to figure out whether or not to give this miniature breasts or not was trying to figure out are the newborn foals small enough that they can nurse from where the horse nipples would be, or are they tall enough that they could nurse from the uh, centaur's upper half breasts? That made no sense, but is it possible that the centaur would kneel down to allow the foal to suckle at her teeth? I don't know how centaur nursing works, and I think that's a big problem. And I also, like, I don't know who came up with the idea, but, like, foals, when they're born, like, relatively quickly have the ability to walk. But human babies are pretty useless for a very long time. Does that mean that there is a floppy baby that can't hold its head up while there's, like, the bottom half of the horse that can keep moving? These are all very good questions. <laughs> God, I hope that's not how it'd be, because there's no way a centaur would ever survive infancy, if so. No. But I, okay, so I I started looking this up, um, and actually, my mom was like, what is the gestation period for horses? Which is a very good point. And it is longer than humans. I think it's about 12 months, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, which, if the development was, you know, a little bit faster than in humans, I'm not saying that, like, a four-month difference is really gonna uh, do anything baby-wise, but, like, if the human half-development was sped up in centaurs specifically, maybe the 12-month gestation period would make it so that the babies don't, you know, break their necks immediately. This is what you're thinking. That is exactly what I'm thinking of. Lee has found... We're probably going to cut this because pictures don't make pictures sense in an audio format. We can put it in the show notes. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> I'm Troy can put them in the show notes if he I'm wants to bother. lots of really good things about centaur development. Look at this embryonic centaur. 
That's pretty neat. Oh my god, look at that. Yeah, this is the question we were talking about before. <laughs> how did they, they breastfeed? Welcome to Science and Fiction, a podcast where we talk about how every mythical, mythological <laughs> breastfeeds. It's a very important question. I didn't realize that this one is also breast-based. Well, it started out breast-based, but then it evolved further, because then the question that you were mentioning about the breastplate comes up. Which, for that, we had to figure out where vital organs were in general. Yes, and the vital organs part is my favorite, because, I mean, it wouldn't make sense that they would have the full rib cage of the human and of the horse. Yeah, exactly. Would it, would it not? I mean, structurally, it basically has to. Otherwise, you're just kind of like a goop sack. That's not... Mm-hmm. Not great, structurally. Can you um, explain what you mean by otherwise you'd be a goop sack? Yeah, without uh, without having the bone support uh, for, like, your muscles and everything else to base on. Otherwise, they would have to, like, I don't know, move by inchworming, basically. Because if your muscles don't have, like, bone or hard cartilage or something to... Oh, I thought you were saying that they couldn't have both rib cages, or they'd be a goop sack. You're saying they have to have both? They have to have both, or part of them would be a goop sack. That makes much more sense. I understand what you're saying now. Yeah. Um, and then that comes, where are the organs? Because our rib cage obviously protects our vital organs, um, but it doesn't make sense for them to have, like, two hearts, two sets of lungs, two livers, two whatever. It, it just, the doubling up of organs seems like such an energetic cost. Yeah, metabolically, it doesn't make any sense. Unless they're such a warlike species that they're regularly getting their lungs punctured in battle to the point that that is a larger cost than the metabolic cost of having two pairs of lungs. But society and battle are fairly recent. Uh, it's not like they would really dictate the evolution of, like, multiple organs. Weaponized battle is recent, but violence is not. That's true. But, like, I don't know if you can think of any other example that, based on the violence of their species, have multiple organs that fulfill the same function. Fair point. We also, I think, have to consider how very different horses and humans are. Horses horses are wild animals. Uh, they are uh, wild like it. Very strange. Um, they take in so much oxygen, their lungs are literally huge. Um, and they have to take in so much oxygen to run that there would have to be horse lungs. Human lungs would not cut it. No, you There's gotta so much it. meat there on the horse, you know? And the one that I really like is that most of the vital organs are stored in the horso, uh, but... Yes, the horse torso, the horso. The horso. But... The human ribcage and whatnot is to sport just lungs. Just uh, lungs. Well, what about... There is a lot of extra space. What about also, though, a, a secondary heart? I mean, there's animals like... An octopus has three hearts. It's true. So I'm having two hearts... a mammal that has multiple hearts. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, there's mammals with four stomachs, so... Is it that hard to believe that maybe the four-chambered heart broke off into two smaller two-chambered hearts somehow, and then evolved further to become more useful? Well, I mean, the multi-chambered stomach, each stomach kind of fulfills a different function in the digestive process. So, yeah. What about the purpose of there's so much more body getting blood to all of it? It's true, but like, if giraffes have one heart, 
That's true. Yeah. If if giraffes have one heart, we can conceivably say that the centaur distance from toe to tip is not worse than giraffe from, That's from nose to hoof. Very true. But also, how large are the blood vessels in a giraffe's neck that allow enough blood to get up there to oxygenate a head? That is very true. They are. I'm pretty sure they have a larger diameter. Don't they also have something weird going on with the little valvey bits to keep the blood from just falling back down? Yep, they do have one-way valves. Probably semi-lunar valves like humans have to prevent the blood from being acted on by gravity. So one thought with regards to the lungs thing is that if the human torso has the lungs, then there's all that extra space freed up in the torso, and then they could just have a larger heart down there. That's true. I I can believe larger heart. Um, let's... I really need to know the giraffe heart size now. Or do the lungs sort of go from the human torso and then into the front of the horse, maybe? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Just volume-wise, like, it needs to have a pretty significant volume. Yeah, and I'm also thinking now about the breathing mechanism. Horses have very, very large nostrils in order to bring in enough oxygen. Oh! Yeah, I'm what? actually gonna I'm gonna look up some things here just to get some some hot facts on here because yeah, Lee looks up respiration. I have to tell you that a giraffe's heart is about two feet long and weighs about twenty five pounds. Wow! Wow! That's so a lot. I don't think we're quite at giraffe level just because a lot of their issues are gravity based. We're still gonna have some giraffe issues, but <laughs> I do think giraffe a larger issues. heart. Hashtag giraffe issues. Giraffe issues. And they have a very high heart rate for their size, apparently. Really? Is that just to get it all up there, maybe? Probably. I guess that makes sense. Alright, so horses, um, horses breathe a lot. They, when they're running, they're breathing and their strides are linked. So for every stride they take, they take in a breath as well. And they have to take in a breath and empty their lungs as well. So they breathe, they breathe really hard and really fast. Um, one breath that they take in is about 80 liters per second. Wow. Which is pretty incredible. Um, I just did a lab a few weeks ago in my class about the respiration in humans. And humans, I was pretty surprised. Humans have like several liters that we can hold at like peak lung capacity, but it's like less, it's less than 10. It's like maybe like five or six. Um, Currently looking to see what exactly, oh, that is 21.134 U.S. liquid gallons. Yeah, so over 20 milk gallon jugs full of air every second. Wow. The horse, like, it has the, um, it has cartilage in its uh, throat, just like humans do, to prevent food from going down the airway. But when a horse is running, all that is wide open, so they open their... Um, they open their nostrils really large. They open their trachea really large um, to get as much air in as possible. And I'm just not sure that a human uh, airway could provide enough oxygen. No, it's really not. That is significant. So do they have, like, at the start, one really big tube and then it breaks into two smaller tubes once it's out of the throat for the lungs for the lungs versus the stomach like it all goes down the same place at first and then the swallowing action breaks off into a different area in the abdomen um no so the swallowing just like in humans there there's um an airway and a food way 
Yeah. Um, the I'm trachea, talking about in centaurs, not in horses, though. In centaurs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to know, because, like, the trachea would just have to be so much bigger. Yeah, exactly. The, the esophagus doesn't really matter, because it lays flat. When there's not food in it, um, because it doesn't need to be kept open. The swallowing, just like the food, just goes down. But the trachea is cartilaginous to keep it open, because if it was just, like, floppy and wet, it would seal itself. Yeah. Very gross. We have to go back into breathing and whatnot, but... So, I had to Google what the the volume of the average human body is, uh, and it is 65.2 liters. Which a horse takes in more during a second than a human, a whole human body. Yep. What? That's horrifying. Yeah. So it would make sense that the human portion is devoted to like lungs and breathing, but some would have like even if the lungs are mostly in the human, some part of the lungs would have to be in the horse part as well. Yes. Volume wise. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I don't know that it matters so much <clears throat> the lungs in the human so much as the airway. Yeah, the that's path a huge to barrier. Get the air to the lungs. Let's see if I can find some more here about like how big their trachea is. You know. Yeah, but just like nostrils and everything. Like, would a centaur have to have a stoma just to live? That is a very good question. And how much air can you take in? Stoma. Uh, stoma in this instance, I'm talking about specifically a hole between the outside world uh, and your airway, not um, like colostomy, which is what Google is telling me. Okay. Uh, but there are many sorts of stoma. It just stoma just means hole, basically. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what you meant. A yes. stoma, like the hole in the right above the clavicle, that like if you got if you're like a heavy smoker and you get a stoma. Exactly. The ones that you see in the ads for don't smoke kids. Yes. So all the centaurs sound like that. Oh my god. (laughs) Don't smoke. Don't be a centaur, kids. Yeah, being a centaur is rough. There's even more that I'm realizing about this, but I think we need to figure out the lungs and the heart situation before we get to this new thing that I've discovered. But remind me to talk about the skeleton a little bit here. Yeah, absolutely. We need to figure out this air problem because... Otherwise, how do they do? How do they do? Yeah, it, um, this, this website I'm looking at, thehorse.com, um, (laughs) says, quote, to some extent the horse is still an enigma. I agree. Horses are wild. How do they even, as it says, like, how does it carry a person, which is like an extra 10 to 15% of their body weight and go like faster than 35 miles an hour? How does it do it? We don't know. Another thing about the breathing issue is, so humans basically, um, the way that humans breathe is based on, and I'm both organisms, to be honest, it's based on a diaphragm, um, and that it moves downwards, which causes negative air pressure in the chest, which forces air in. Mm -hmm. So could they have, centaurs specifically, have a stronger diaphragm or, like, a, a... a way to form yeah. more negative air pressure to bring more air in, it would still probably cause a huge pressure issue of the air forcing its way in and the holes being too small to compensate. Mm-hmm. Basically, if a, if a centaur exercises, they pass out. Is all I can really think of. So, I'm realizing a, a flaw in your argument. Huh. 
Your argument was based on the idea that a horse's lungs take in more air per second than a human body has, yes? Has the ability to, because we don't have large nostrils and openings and such. Okay, never mind then. I thought you were saying that it was, because you made the comment about, about, uh, about an adult human having less volume in their body than the horse takes in. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think the issue specifically is with nostrils and with just, we don't have, I mean, maybe all centaurs are mouth breathers. <laughs> that is very interesting because horses are not. I mean, they have horses, the nostrils to compensate. Horses only breathe through their nostrils. Oh, only. Yes, only okay. their nostrils, unless they're not doing well, if they're, like, sick or there's a problem with their soft palate. Um, but normally, when fully functioning, a horse is breathing only through its nose. And this is also a very interesting fact here, that about 90% of the resistance to air movement when horses are inhaling is the airways that are in the head. The nostrils, the nasal passages, the larynx. So they're having a lot of resistance to the breathing anyways. Most of the resistance to the breathing they're having is with their air passages that are already so much larger than a human. Um, So a horse's nostrils are about five to six centimeters in diameter. Mm -hmm. Um, For a human, the diameter of a human mouth is 8.5 centimeters for men and 7.9 centimeters for women. So they could be mouth breathers. Honestly, that might be the only way for them to get the oxygen they crave. <laughs> Just with the mouth wide open. <gasps> <laughs> now, now I found oh I found something here um, to your to your point about the diaphragm. When the horse is at rest, they breathe by expanding and contracting their chest. But when they're doing exercise, they do it with the diaphragm, which is underneath. The lungs, well, underneath in a human, posterior in a horse, behind, you know, more towards the abdomen. So they are doing all of that hard air sucking, I guess. (laughs) With the diaphragm, there is room for that. So I think there's enough, I think there's enough volume there. There is the mechanic for it. The passage, the air passage is the only thing. But it also would make sense to have the lungs be at least partially in the human air, like, in the human portion, because it is closer to the airways, and limiting um, how far the air has to travel means you can get more oxygen into your system. So that is true. Also, with the, with the nostril resistance thing, I don't think it necessarily would need to be that huge if we didn't, if our centaurs don't have the ridiculous set of sinuses and uh, air movement things that a horse uses for its smellers. It's true. So it's possible mm. that they don't need to have quite as large a hole as a horse does, because I think that's what's causing a lot of the resistance, right? Yeah, but I mean, uh, humans have, like, nasal turbinates, um, which basically, they slow down the air, they um, assist in, like, odor detection, things like that. So centaurs might have no sense of smell? It's a worthy trade-off for being able to run that fast. Being that huge. Interesting. Um, I just want to share this horrifying fact I learned. Uh, If all the airways in the lung of a horse were opened out and laid flat on the ground, 
They would occupy a total area equivalent to ten tennis courts. <laughs> the horse would also be dead. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh my god, that's get in a lot of trouble. Yikes. So, an issue that I'm seeing with this whole thing. So, so how are we feeling about the placement of lungs? How far down does it need to go? Are the lungs that big a limiting factor, or is it really just the opening holes? I think it's a combination of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem with centaurs is because our podcast in general is based on mythos and whatnot, which has the face of a human and the body of a horse and the upper half of a human, um, we can't add any additional airways that are already present in the human. So I feel like that is our limiting factor. Yes. Could they all just have really big nostrils as well as no sense of smell? But like, yeah, they would have to have nostrils as big as a horse, though, I feel like. Yeah, the, that's because like... Because the horse, it's... So, when you think about the horse, the part that is replaced in a centaur is the head and neck. That's not doing so much work when they're running. It's holding the head upright, yes, but most of what's happening is in the chest with the muscles to pull the forelegs forward, and especially in the hindquarters that are propelling the horse forward, those big horse butts. That is all horse. All of the work that's being done running is all horse. So if there's horse lungs and horse muscle, like that, that's good. That's balanced. Nature's already figured that out. The variable we're changing is the... The nasal passage. The size of the holes to get the air in. The size of the air holes. Yeah. So I think they really do have to be comparable to a horse's nostrils in order to, unless, unless we're saying that centaurs don't do as much aerobic exercise as a horse does. They'll need to to walk. They'll need to. Oh, they can walk. They just can't like. I feel like even walking. Lope or gallop. Walking, gonna... walking and trotting is a, is less. Um, I feel like we less can't just exercise. say that centaurs don't gallop. We just said that they don't smell. But continue. Yes, but galloping is something that they talk about in centaur lore, and that if we can't give them a stoma, we can't make them incapable of galloping. Yeah, and I think you know some Good of point. the things I've seen about centaurs is that they are warlike, so they would need to they would need to be fast. Yeah, they speedy. Apparently, there's some look in the mythology of centaurs, finally. Um, and there's an orc piece, Battle of Centaurs and Wild Beasts, uh, was estimated to be made during uh, 120 to 130 AD. Ooh. So, and it definitely is a centaur in motion with possibly a giant stone about to brain a tiger. And a centaur as we know it, right? With the human yes. torso. It is human torso, arms, uh, face, everything like that, and then all of the good bits of the horse except for the neck and head. So this goes back a long, long ways. It really does. It, it has its origins in Greek mythology, um, which is pre-written language. Now this is very interesting to me, because I'm I'm wondering now, how far back do we know does horseback riding go? Well, because that is one theory for the origin of the centaur myth, was people saw humans riding horses, and they thought they were half horse, half human. That's a very good point, because if we look at, like, the terracotta warriors, um, there were, like, horse-drawn carriages, but there was also people on horseback. Mm -hmm. Um, And I 
I attended a lecture, actually, but he talked about how riding horses came from Asia and went um, westwards. Mm-hmm. And we can tell about when it happened because li- linguistically in French, the language changed from jumping onto a horse to stepping onto a horse. Uh-oh. And that's when stirrups arrived mm-hmm. in France. Ooh. Yes. Um, so that goes back at least 2000 BCE. Like, that is... Humans have been trying to get up on horses for a while. So, 2000 BC for, um, uh, in Europe or for in, uh, China? In China. Okay. Um, that makes sense. And I'm seeing here that by 1600 BC, um, there is record in Egypt of horse riding. Okay, so that has spread, and if... We can say that they're riding horses in Asia and in North Africa. We can assume that Greece, where the myths originated, they had horse riding there. Yeah. Okay. So then I, I just bring that up because, um, like, we're not talking about the origins of centaurs necessarily, um, but getting, like, a, a good groundwork of, like, what exactly somebody would reasonably like observe was part of a centaur. I'm I'm just like laying out that we have images of centaurs, yeah, but just putting that in line with like if somebody were to see somebody riding a horse and think that they were a centaur, that is in line with it as well. Yeah. Like if you were looking at it from a distance and you see the torso of a man appear outside of a horse, I mean you're probably gonna see the horse head, but if you're like Yeah really squinting, like I can see how that would be body of a horse and then goes up into a man. If the horse is looking away. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at a world building forum where people have had this same argument about oxygen and centaurs. And one thing that they bring up is the potential for just being more efficient with their oxygen. Hmm. Because we, as humans at least, do not use that much of the oxygen that we inhale. This random internet forum user says that it's about 25% of the oxygen we inhale. So if they utilize more of the oxygen, or if they're now extinct because uh, we live in a less oxygen-rich environment, no, never mind, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But... In the past thousand years. Yeah, but if they just have, like, a more efficient oxygen utilage, utilage, more efficient at breathy than we are. More breathy efficient. Yeah. So I'm curious what what percentage of oxygen uh, horses utilize yeah. uh, just to compare against human. Whether it's similar mammal to mammal or whether humans just suck. And I'm also curious about birds because birds are also need to be super efficient. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Oh. What did you learn? So According to uh, scienceworld.ca, <laughs> okay. so so what I'm seeing here is that when so what I'm seeing here is that when a human or another mammal breathes and we use our diaphragm, it's squeezing. We squeeze the air back out. We breathe the new air in. There's going to be some mixing of the old air and the new air. Mm-hmm. Birds have a much more efficient system in which your used air doesn't get mixed with your new air because of a series of air sacs making little loop-de-loopy thingamabobs, so that way the air only flows in one direction. Interesting. Birds are fucking weird. But oh, centaurs, centaurs could also be fucking weird Centaurs are also fucking inside. weird, yes. Yeah, but centaurs are mammals. 
which has a lot of the inefficiencies of mammals. I am seeing that racehorses um, increase their red blood cell numbers to more than 65%, so a lot more oxygen is binded. But even if we don't think that centaurs could have the exact air sac situation, I think we can imagine it being possible that they would evolve something more efficient with their lungs in general, or like you were saying, with their blood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely, I think just because having this, like, duplication of organs is such a, like, it's such a metabolic cost. Like, it's really, it's almost harder for me to rationalize that than them having, like, more red blood cells, because we know in human athletes, Mm -hmm. like, the red, as you exercise more, a red blood cell concentration is increased. Especially depending on elevation. Yeah, at a higher elevation, you increase your red blood cells. Yeah, because there's less oxygen in the air, so you uh, you need to bind more oxygen in your blood so that your cells can actually get the amount of oxygen they need. Yeah. Also, only see centaurs on planes and other low elevation environments where there's higher oxygen levels. Exactly. <laughs> no centaurs at high elevation. That's true. Yeah. If 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 it is a blood based and probably red blood cell or even iron content based thing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that would limit the um, range of horses centaurs. Yeah, I I think that satisfies. Um, my scientific curiosity about the respiration system. I love that. In centaurs, what do you think? I think that satisfies how my curiosity about their respiration, yes, but there's yeah, a oh, lot of other problems. Yes, their so. respiration. I'm saying we should move yeah. on to another system, yes. I think. You had mentioned the skeleton. Yes, I've got some problems with their bony boys. All right, Troy, take us to the bone zone. <laughs> it's time for the bone zone. So... We can imagine the centaurs must have massive lungs going all the way from their human torso into their horse torso, at least partially. That means there is vital organs exposed, unless their ribcage is doing something real funky that would severely limit their range of motion. Oh, man. Yeah. Because depending on how far the lungs go into the horse torso, that does push back the other organs, which means they would have to have a longer ribcage. Well, okay, here is here is my question. Now let's go back to respiration, the diaphragm. Yeah. In humans, right underneath the ribcage, like the whole uh, ribcage is full of the lungs and the heart is also in there, but then the diaphragm and the solar plexus there, it goes down and it goes back up and we're just on one plane, you know, just up and down. If we have a horse, a, a human torso and then into the horse and um, with... With the horse, the lung goes about a third of the way down the torso. So we're talking about making an L turn at the horse chest part. Is that is that possible? Yes, because um, when you're talking about internal organs, imagine like a balloon. If you put a balloon um, where the only hole is facing outside of your mouth and the rest of the balloon inside your mouth. If you suck in air, that inflates the balloon that is inside of your mouth. Yeah. That's kind of how the diaphragm works. It's on the negative pressure system. Yeah. So if you imagine it as, as like, your internal organs are within a closed pressure system, no matter where the diaphragm is, it can create negative pressure inside of the internal organ system, which pushes the air in through your 
well. Mouth yeah. or any other respiratory uh, portion into your lungs. If you imagine the lungs is the balloon that is inside of your mouth. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying, can it? Can we get enough like pressure going on? Especially if we're thinking like, so we'll get to this when we talk about like food and what do centaurs eat, which I also want to cover. Um, but I think all of the digestive stuff should be in the horse. Oh, yeah, I don't think yes. any of it should be. So then we're talking about possibly, obviously, a brain in the yeah. human. I think they have a human-like brain. Yeah. Um, but then in the torso, like, the only organs being, like, the lungs and maybe a secondary heart. Yeah. And then... The whole thing is lungs? Can you get enough, like, pressure? It's lungs all the way down. I don't see why not, because... I'm trying to imagine a good analogy, but if you've got a really large thing and a really small thing, if you suck the same on both of them, it's going to create the same, right? Yeah, I I guess. I mean, I'm also just thinking about, like, what happens then when the lungs deflate? I think also in conjunction with your question about the skeleton, because for us, we can not we can see the ribs yeah. moving, but the ribs, they the lungs can only deflate so far because they're surrounded by the pleural membrane. Um, and so that's why if you have, like, a punctured lung, it can cause your lung to collapse, because the lung is sucked up against the inside of the thoracic cavity, which allows it to not collapse. Hmm. So they can only deflate so far, and that's why there's always that little bit of air that's mixing with the new air, because you have some in there that can never be exhaled. So what I'm saying is maybe, maybe my question is not about the pressure, but just, like, can we get enough of a differential between an inhale and an exhale with that sort of, like, it has to be up against the thoracic cavity and, like, with size? You know how sometimes size, when you go up, it's a one-to-one, but sometimes it's, like, exponential logarithmic, you know? Yeah. I wonder, actually, one thing we haven't been talking about is surface-to-volume ratio kind of thing. Ah. So, of the lungs... I mean, there are so many, like, tiny pockets in the alveoli and, and everything, which creates an increased surface area, which yeah. is yeah. obviously how the oxygen transfers. If we are having... So, in horses, it takes about a third of the body cavity. Um, if we were saying that the human is mostly lung, and it goes a bit into the horse as well, we're talking the overall surface area of the lungs being huge. Yeah. So that's a lot more Even if the volume is same. Many, many tennis courts. Many, many tennis courts. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a very good point. Is the is the size I think the, the surface area for breathing, for oxygen absorption in the lung, is going to be um like an exponential thing because one alveoli alveolus is like you know, it's it's like you can add one thing, but then you're adding like a whole bunch of surface area. Yeah. So, so for every every alveoli that you add, you're adding, like, X amount of oxygen. Yeah. So I almost think that the lungs don't need to be, like, full human and also into the horse. If they are part of the human chest, we're creating a huge amount of surface area, which is going to help in that oxygen absorption. So what you're seeing is... The entire human torso ain't nothing but lung. Maybe it's all lungs. And also maybe a secondary heart. 
That is exactly what I'm saying. It's all a lie. I do like the idea of a secondary heart, because when we think about, like, heart for um, humans, it's in our chest, and then we go, like, up to the head, it's right there, and then all the rest of the body. For horses, it's in the forefront of their chest. It's also between their lungs. Um, and they can go up to the head and then the whole rest of the body. I think if for a, for a, for a centaur, if we just have a horse heart, that would be like having your heart in your thighs and also having like more legs back there and then have to get it up to the, you know, like, I think we need a secondary one to pump blood to our human brain. Yeah. Which I just, even though I like it. There's just no precedent in mammals and anything that's not an invertebrate to have multiple hearts supporting the system. Okay, I think it's, it's a not a whole separate heart. Maybe it's like, yeah, maybe it's longer, or maybe it's a modification of one of the major arteries. I mean, that's what the octopus is. That's why it has three hearts. Is that they're so? Maybe we've got a giraffe situation where we have those like semi-lunar valves. Okay. And like a larger heart. I do think and that larger a heart, centaur yeah. heart is larger very... than a horse heart. Very, very, very large. Yeah. Uh, shit, is it the left or the right ventricle? <laughs> Wait, you thought it just took anatomy. I know. <laughs> um, Shame the... on all of us. What? No, the, the left has three lungs, the right has two. What? You're talking oh, about lungs. lungs. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the heart. Yeah. yeah, so that's the one with two lobes is where the heart rests over. Uh, yeah, but I'm talking about which, which, uh, which atria and ventricle receive the blood from the lungs. And then pump it out to the body. Well, it comes in. The, it comes in the yeah, atrium, and then it goes down to the, the ventricle. And it's the, I think it's the left. I think it's the left ventricle that is the really meaty one because that has to pump it out with enough pressure to send it everywhere. So I think we're talking about a really, really beefy ventricle. Yeah. I mean, it's already a beefy ventricle for this horse. It's gonna be a very beefy ventricle. A very <laughs> beefy ventricle. So. Do we feel good about that as an answer for the heart as well, then? Just I think like, so. Just, like, medium big, since they've got all it's, the extra space? It's the yeah. left ventricle that pushes it out to the body. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I honestly think a beefy, beefy heart is is probably the way to go. Because, I mean, horses already have a pretty dang big yeah. heart. Yeah, I think uh, a beefy heart and semi-lunar valve similar to a giraffe. Yeah. Keep that blood up there. Yeah. And a high red blood cell count. Yeah, I feel good about this. Yeah, I've got a good surface area in the lungs. Okay, but back to the ribcage question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real unhappy about ribcages. So if the human portion is the lung, and not much lung goes into the horse, that means if we take the horse ribcage area and shovel the organs in, so in a normal horse, the lungs take up a third of yeah. of that portion of the Yeah, uh, and they take up of most the of the oh, ribcage. So, so if we shift the organs up a little bit, those can all be kind of protected under the horse structure that we know and love. So are you saying then... So, I'm confused about what you're saying. Basically, because the lungs are going to be mostly in the human... Yeah. We can take the space in a horse that would ordinarily be taken up by lungs and shift the rest of the organs up so there's a lot more protection. Especially if we're making the heart, the heart larger. Mm. Like, that would take up some of the space that, that the would lungs take some have, more space. That used to be, yes. But the but problem with the ribcage... Your so question, yeah. I think, that was about the human ribcage. My question was about where the human ribcage meets the horse body, because... Uh. On a on a human, so that's where your pelvis is. Your pelvis 
does not have, so your stomach and your pelvis are not protected um, to the same degree and in the same way as your you lungs your are. your stomach and your abdomen. Yes. Because yeah. your pelvis is a bone. I meant the stuff in your pelvis. Oh, so gotcha. Like, well, the, the pelvis protects it a little bit. But a little bit, but yeah, not as not, much as... Not like, the same as a ribcage, yeah. yeah. I was just using pelvis to mean whole groin area <laughs> where internal organs are kept. Yes. Um. But so if your lungs go all the way down to your groin, then you would need to have a lot more protection. So yeah. do they just have one really long continuous ribcage? And if so... How does that affect their ability to move and the anchoring points for all their muscles? Because, like, they're archers, which means that they have to have pretty strong back muscles, and if mm-hmm. they don't have the same anchoring points where we do, like, you've got the really long muscles that go from, like, by your shoulder to all the way down at your hips, right? Where are those going to connect? I I really love this because we, like, I think the ribcage needs to be longer, but if we make it too long, it's going to disrespect the fiction of the the warlike horse, which has the range of motion of a human on a horse, because that's where the myth originated. Yeah, yeah I really don't I really don't see any way that we can extend the ribcage. Now, if we take the ribcage and we bring it down to the stomach, but we still have an unprotected portion between, let's say, um, like, the last uh, couple vertebra of your spinal column mm-hmm. and into your hips. So they do have a little bit of range of motion, but it is less than, like, normal humans. Okay. Because, okay, if you look at a rib cage, it does stop at a certain point, but on the then sides, there's the floating ribs. there are the floating ribs. So what if instead of floating ribs, they're anchored? Well, even then, there are ribs that are anchored on the back. There are, like, the false ribs yeah. and the floating ribs and all that, you know? So... Even then, like, we we could maybe add two ribs, maybe. But I really don't think, even if you look at, like, the front, the way that the ribs come around and go up, um, with the cartilage there, I really don't think that even adding a few more ribs, we're getting too much protection in the front. That's what, true. What about if the protection comes from the pelvis, and now I am using the term to actually mean the bone, because the reason why human pelvis be shaped the way they do is so that way you can, like, have room for a growing baby in there, but if... And to walk upright. Yeah. yeah. And if they don't need to uh, use the same type of gait, and that's not where they carry their foals, which is another nightmare that we'll need to wonder about later, maybe. But that means that the pelvis could kind of fuse with the horse's sternum and go upwards to create a discontinuous but also useful shield for the uh, vital organs in the human torso. I really love that. And especially if we're going off the human is mostly lung, uh, it would make sense that the uterus is with all of the other organs. Yes. Also nearer to the exit route. Yeah. Yes. Oh god, yes. Yeah, so, absolutely. Oh god, yes. You can, a centaur cannot carry the baby in the human portion. That That's is a no, nightmare. There's no, just no, no way. It's bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like the idea. At first, when I was looking, so I've been looking at, like, some centaur skeleton art that people have done, and at first when I saw the pelvis on there, I was like, no way. No. No pelvis. No human pelvis. But now that I think about it, I actually actually really like this idea of the pelvis. Um, because, you know, you never see them... The other thing that I want to think about is the spine. 
you know, the horse has a horizontal spine, and the human has a vertical spine, and there has to be this, some sort of bend. There has to be an anchor point for the vertical spine. Yes. And I don't think I've ever seen any images of a centaur where the human flops forward. They're always upright, so it would make sense that there is some sort of, like, girdle, like, pelvic girdle that comes up in the front that would yeah. not be impeded by them having to lean forward, because I don't think they do. At least not very much if they do. Like, this does bring up the question uh, of how centaurs sleep, but I think that's significantly <laughs> less of an issue. <laughs> do you remember um, in the... So, in our Dungeons & Dragons campaign with this centaur, do you remember how exactly she slept? I remember it being yes. hilarious. Uh, she slept on her back with all of the limbs splayed up. Yes, very good. Um, which I think is very solid for centaurs. Um, but yeah, I really, like, it needs to have an anchoring point. The vertical and horizontal spine cannot have the same. They, they need to be anchored differently. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I, think I do that really does, love that. I think that does bring in the idea of a pelvis that brings together the human portion and the horse portion. The portion, if you will. Yes. (laughs) Um, I also am now seeing a thing that I um, am very curious about. Oh, yeah. Um, A dissonance between... A dissonance between what I'm seeing here. (laughs) I just want y'all to just look at this picture real quick. Oh, my God. What the Christ? (laughs) That is such bad Photoshop. It's so bad. I love it. What the fuck? This is not what I mean by a pelvis, by the way. Oh, I don't yeah. want the whole pelvis, like, up above. God. Um, yeah. Okay, can I just see It's, this? like, fused with the sternum. Standard centaur. Yeah, when I was looking at at pictures of the skeleton, some of them seemed to... I guess this is good enough. Um, some of the pictures of the skeleton seemed to have the spine go way forwards um, from the where the horse chest is. Yeah, so when I was looking at some of the pictures of centaur skeletons, the spine carries forward until the point where it would move up into the horse's neck, um, which is very interesting because horses, their spine in their neck is not where their mane comes out. If you look at a horse skeleton, their spine dips down in, like, the middle of their neck. It's not the top of their neck like it is the top of their back. So the direction of the spine is a little bit different if you were to just stick a human spine on there. It's not the same. Um, So when you think of a picture of of a centaur, like, the human is very well anchored right above the front legs of the horse. But the spine would have to turn... It would have to turn north, essentially, of the human much more before much before where it does for a horse. So yeah, if you look at the horse skeleton, the the spine seems to come out of like midway on the scapula. Yeah, which imagine that those thoracic vertebrae were like where the tailbone is mm-hmm. and then the scapula is the pelvis, then it would just, like, move upwards a little bit, right? Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, but I, I'm also thinking it has to move back a little bit, because okay. if we put a whole human, this, the horse's spine is in the middle of its neck. Oh, uh, so a support, A human spine yeah. is on our back, is against our yeah. back. So it would have to 
move back just a little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, the whole weight of the human would be hanging off the front oh, of the Oh, yeah, horse. that's very It has true. to be better in line with the chest muscles. Yeah. So that there's support for this. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So have it positioned more over the forelegs to have that support to the human yeah. rather than just, like, neck muscles. Yeah, the, use that's the forelimb skeleton... Um, the four, the skeleton of the forelimbs to support the weight of the human, just like our legs do. Um, which then makes me think of, um, some sort of blending of the bone structure instead of a, like, fully scapula type thing. Yeah. Um, something, sort of a blend between a scapula and a pelvis. Yeah. Which then, yeah, lens are... And that's in the um, scapula area. That's not taking out the scapula, because that's necessary for the motion of the foreleg. Oh, but yes, but it would be a little bone, different. But modified a little bit. Yes, but it would be like a duplication, not that we're getting rid of the scapula. No, we're just modi- modifying it a little bit. So, so that it's everything like a fits fusion, together. right? So it's half yeah. pelvis, half scapula? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, I, I can... You know what, I buy that, because we have to center the gravity a little bit better than just the human sticking out of a neck. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has to be centered over the four legs. Yeah. Pause for a Okay. Horses can't eat avocados. Horses can't eat avocados? Yeah, did you know that? Horses can't be millennials. Horses, <laughs> yeah, no avocado toast for, for horses. That means they can finally have their own houses. They can, yes, they can afford yeah. their own houses, yes. <laughs> Yay, horses. <laughs> Only the centers can afford them. So join us next week as we talk about horses and what they eat. And, and how they baby. And how they baby in the context of, of centaurs, not just horses, but this has been a lot of, of horse talk. How how, how does centaur form is form? How is centaur form? How is centaur pregnant? Pregnant. Pregnant. Part two. Pregnant. Oh my god. <laughs> any questions that you think we should debate, definitely send us an email. It's sciencingfiction at gmail.com. You can also like and follow us on Facebook at Sciencing Fiction, where we'll be posting some photo companions to our episodes so you can follow along with our visual references. And if you want it short and sweet, we're also on Twitter at sciencingfic. That's S-C-I-E-N-C-E-I-N-G-F-I-C. Also, make sure to subscribe if you want to be among the first to hear when a new episode comes out. No cryptids were harmed in the making of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, bye!